on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Big thanks to Africa. It's Monday the 22nd of January and you're listening to Game On. Coming up today, we'll hear from the Ireland captain Peter O'Mahony on his new role, while Stephen Ferris and Keen Tracy review the weekend's Champions Cup rugby. In soccer, we've Stephen Kelly and Alan Cawley on Liverpool's momentum at the top of the Premier League, while we will look ahead tonight as Brighton look to win for the first time on a Monday night when they face Wolves. All that plus our sporting highlights from a weekend that delivered Manny. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or you can find us on X at GameOn2FM or WhatsApp us on 087 187 9200. GameOn on 2FM. That's actually Brighton winning at home on the Monday night. I left that line out at the top there in my intro. Marie, how was your weekend? I was about to say I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> I'd like to look, that's just par for the course. That's that's most weeks every day. I fully understand <laughs> that. You're not the only one. That's, that's most true. people in my life, Marie. I'm um, used to it in a house of five women. No one ever listens to me. I'm not surprised. Alan five Holly. women. Even Marie, even Ruby. Well, Al, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I had a busy weekend myself, sitting on the couch watching everything that was on the television. I watched some amount of sport this weekend. You have the best life, I've decided. Yeah, well, I got out and about a little bit, but I did, I watched, I even watched the women's boxing. I was just thinking that on Saturday night, Natasha Jonas, some fight. Unbelievable. I watched the snooker with Ronnie yesterday evening. Uh, that young lad Dunlap, the amateur winning the golf, on top of all the football that was that went before it. So busy again. Pretty sure if you were living with five minute five women, you wouldn't be doing all that. No <laughs> yeah, well surely, that's the thing, yeah. I'm in a lucky that, position. Surely you even watched some of the rugby. I didn't Ruby. I didn't, really? didn't watch all the sport. Then you didn't watch all the sport. Sorry, sports. Yeah, so there's well, a lie already. Well, <laughs> well rugby's not on my radar, I'm sorry. But I Did didn't you watch, watch Turles? Uh, I saw highlights of Turles. I didn't watch the watch it live. I was watching the club all Ireland finals. Unbelievable they were yesterday. Mm. Now, I suppose as well, the weather was really bad. So if you're going to have a day on the couch, it was yeah. a good day to do it. Well, I did, we did have a kids game. So mm. we were over in Mount Murrayan yesterday morning. So it was ideal to go home, get showered and just relax on the couch for the day. On with the jammies. <laughs> do videos. That what they call it. <laughs> I can just see him in a dressing gown, Same. imagine the pair of slippers. He definitely yeah. wears a dressing gown and slippers. Yeah. Nothing wrong definitely. with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Marie! What about the GA? Then I'm sure you were glued to that. I yesterday. actually was glued to it. It was. It was really good. I was worried all morning, a bit like everybody. Um, that was out and about with the kids' games. It was so windy and so wet, and then the red warnings came in for some counties in that evening so I thought that maybe it would be called off and then they weren't called off and I thought they were going to be terrible games but they actually ended up being absolutely brilliant Yeah, there were the two of them the four teams obviously it's it's hard on the losers but the four teams put on some show to be fair to them because like you Marie we were here reviewing the semi-final when that was a farce mm-hmm. uh, with obviously the misty day up in Yuri, and we were thinking why didn't the GA call that off and yesterday I was actually texting two prominent GA people who were involved friends of mine and I was saying why don't they do the right thing here and, and call it off and be fair to the teams on their showpiece day but I'm so glad they didn't <laughs> because it was absolutely brilliant and and maybe the fact that it was in Croke Park it was sheltered that helped as well from the wind a little bit um, because one of those lads actually went to the game and he was texting straight mm-hmm. away saying it's actually fine in here you get away with it and then to be fair to the teams the, the, the show to put on was unbelievable Two games Marie Last kick, last poke of the ball. 
Yeah. That's what I went out to. Incredible, wasn't it? And that Aina Burke won in the oh. Ireland. This, this skill to be able to be under that much pressure and... Not even looking at the goals. Yeah. Yeah, but even like da- I know David Fogarty's won the level as well. Yeah. Yeah, that one was amazing. Yeah, because I thought I, when that one went over Ruby, I thought that was incredible. And here we go, extra time now. And then they went up the pitch, mm. and obviously the last puck was just to be under there. Is that the Hogan stand over that side? Yeah. Under that, and just just turned and hit it. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. I was actually thinking of you, Ruby, because uh, well, they... I'm actually thinking. Sorry, Maria, to cut across. You. I'm actually thinking of poor Alan Colley here. Like um, he must be the only Irish man that doesn't know where the Hogan stand is. No, I know where it is. <laughs> is that was that the Hogan stand? Soccer is my game. Come on, I'm doing well to be to know these things in GA and rugby. Yeah. Right, sorry, Marie, go on. Ruby, it when something like that happens, it, it does lend itself to the conversations about uh, great winners' moments. Were you ever in a situation like that where you were under so much pressure, hanging on for dear life, and had to just get over the line? Oh, I'm sure I was. Um, or what was the, the can most? Probably remember one. the ones. Can probably remember the ones that didn't get over the line <laughs> as much as the ones that did. Um, hanging on, looking for a winning post. I don't know, Marie. I actually can't remember them. The ones that were so under many, that much pressure. So many big moments in Ruby's career. <laughs> no, I, I'd say pressure-wise. Fun enough. I'd say coming back from injury a couple of years, going to Cheltenham, where I wouldn't have ridden from middle of November might have been back a week before Cheltenham in March people wondering should you trying to prove people wrong put back in as a starter on the team not even on the bench and having to deliver they were probably really satisfying days I think as well though the fact that they're club games it must be amazing for those teams heading home and knowing what they've done for the little place that they're from like mm. the, the small towns the villages the parishes that's the beauty of it oh, isn't it that's what the yeah. G is built on Marie you know mm. we all grew up and you have to play with your parish and yeah. that was the rules and, and then you grow to obviously have that affinity and love for the club and, and you play with your friends and your teammates because they're not all obviously on the county mm. team so I think that's what makes it even more special and that's why he was a little bit worried yesterday for them because I know there's this bigger narrative and debate around the club game versus the county game and obviously the county game is the number one in my eyes in the elite level but people want to put the, the club player first as well which is fine but I just felt if they've worked so hard all year this was their showpiece day and if it was going to be ruined by the weather it would have been so unfair on them so thankfully it went off without a hitch and then to have the moments that we had in both games because I thought Bridget's were home and hosed and then you have the moment from Connor Glass steps up unbelievable I'm going to carry the team on my back now yeah amazing yeah yeah he was and he's been so good the next kick the next kick out where he climbs into the air and punches it back down (laughs) down the fielder thinking like well there is a mountain in that team and it was him yeah his class. Yeah, and there was a lot. I forget his name escapes me now, but he got he got the black card, um, and he came on. Then he came back on for the last three or four minutes, and this was after the equalised with the goal. And Bridges went up the pitch with a chance, and he put in an unbelievable block, block yeah, the number seven. The game. Um, his One name escapes me, but yeah, there was all these moments, and that's that's what ch- changes games, Marie. Just just little moments like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody will focus on Connor Glass and the celebrations tonight and the goal, but that little block, something like that, can can win you a match as well. Six Mile Bridge won it in 1996, by the way, in case I haven't said it enough. They won the All Ireland. They blew it. No, Six Mile Bridge, my team won it in 1990. My club did. Yeah. And, like, again, you talk about things shaping how you feel about everything. Like, having experienced that, gone on the road, went around, going to all these different um, clubs to play games, it was just absolute magic to be part of that. So, like, uh, 
I'm so delighted for everyone that gets to experience your club win in All Ireland because they're so hard to do. It's so hard to get there for Glenn to come back after last year mm. and get over the line like it's like after being robbed last yeah, year. Yeah, well, I mean, Killing that's the your, with sixteen players in the pitch. That's your view, Ruby. Oh my god! <laughs> so there you go. No, it was a phenomenal weekend. Yeah, and what about the young lad winning the golf? What about the old lad winning the golf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rory, I'm out of it. He's still a young lad, isn't he? I don't think That's he is anymore. Nah, he probably doesn't qualify. He's I thought maybe he so until did you see the picture of him that went viral of him winning it fifteen years ago? With his dad, yeah. With his mum and dad, and then I just realised he's he's not young anymore. How old is Roy? 33, 34? Yeah. Yeah. Is he, yeah? I'd say he's a little more than that. Someone's um, going to Google it now and text us do. in. Someone please text us in 51552 as quick as you can before we say any more than we should about Rory McIlroy's age. You think we would? No, he's just been around forever. He spoke recently, I don't know, did you see the interview on the overlap he was on with the the football lads? And he was absolutely superb in explaining the whole live thing and all. But he also spoke about, and obviously after the last two weekends that he's had, going so close last week with Tommy Fleetwood and then winning yesterday, about that he's he's going to change his approach into the Masters. So he's going to, he was... The last few years, he reckoned by taking a break, he'd go in fresh and be ready. But he thinks now he's going to change it up by going in, having played a lot of golf, going into the Masters, that he'd be a lot more sharper and ready. So it'd be interesting to see. Momentum all, is it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, what do you think? Because just in terms of, I suppose, that approach and him being a bit sharper, and you look at the form, I know we're still uh, probably two months out from the Masters. It's in April, isn't it? But um, he's playing some stuff. I was probably too gung-ho for most people um, in that I never defended a lead I just kept the revs up all the time kept going forward if I had a horse or opposition on the back on the back foot I made sure they stayed on it I'd love him to play that way when you watch him mm. on Saturday when he was 10 shots back shoot 63 as if he had the golf ball on a piece of string and then when you put him in front you put him up sides and he starts to play controlled golf like with the skill he has, the power, the flair, the eye that he has when he's chasing something with no pressure, he's a much different player to the person that's in front under the pressure. He said after and though that I he was really happy to, that he was able to play controlled golf. But isn't that sport? Isn't that the argument or the mm-hmm. debate around sport? Is that once you get into that winning position, your mindset changes and you start thinking, "Oh, if I go no, gung ho sh- and going for the mad shots, keep going." Keep going. That's the way I was. Now, look, Tim Ruby and, and tell him, will you? I, I was, psychologically, <laughs> I think that's a lot easier. That, that, and and maybe on a horse is a lot easier as well to keep going. <laughs> They're not going to catch like, you. When, you, when you. When you're two up and you start to defend, yeah. Alan playing soccer, you mm. let the other team back in. When you're two up, you should be looking for the third goal. Uh, you know what I mean? You always say that. Though, like, if it's on an yeah. Ireland final mm. and you see a team just trying to hang on. Oh, no, I, I agree. I agree totally you. with that. But what I'm saying is it's a lot easier said than done because when you're in that moment psychologically your mind but changes. But there's very few people in the world that can do it. And when you watch Rory McIlroy he is one of the few people in the world that actually can. And if he hits one out of bounds just drop it Rory and hit another one because there's a chance he get power anyway. If he just... He, he's unbelievably talented if you could just mm-hmm. get him to go bang from the word go. Probably goes against all of the... Court, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not... But is he... Like, is he going bang from gung ho, and he's just maybe not hitting the shots that then he's getting into a position no, where it's not. You play percentages, coaches, managers, no, do this, play percentages. You know what I mean? Don't make mistakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, can you have the flair that he has? What got him to win in those majors when he was? It was pure flair. Use your flair. Yeah, 
I just think it's a lot easier said than done that's why I think he should do it he's about one of the very few people on the planet with that skill and flair how long more does he have at the top Ruby do you think Tiger get to 40 did he well, well, on that one, Ruby, right? And I've said this to people. Is it four majors he has now? And he hasn't won one in how many years? I think we should know that. We <laughs> don't really know show. anything today, do no, we? So if it's a case, like if you're, like obviously he's amazing, everybody knows he's amazing, but surely he should be winning more majors. Porrick Harrington is three. Yeah, and Porrick is the opposite of what Rory mm-hmm. was. Porrick, totally Porrick was oh, like all a- controlled, practised, made himself and achieved probably an unbelievable amount Ruby, f- for golf we've a text but in Tiger Woods never didn't attack exactly I know but he, how many majors he has he's the record isn't he with Jack so that's what I mean I, I, I agree with that, men, that that mentality that mindset to me like it's like David Clifford Murray not taking a shot for 40 yards back yourself oh every yeah, but day the day best day. will always that's why they're the best 2014 was his last major. There you go, like so. PGA when, Championship, and it's okay. Ten like, years. can I can I say something here that maybe isn't probably popular? Not. Probably not say it. No, I wouldn't if I was. <laughs> Obviously, he's winning all the things he's winning, but like, surely you, you judge him on the on the majors now. 2014 is a long time since he hasn't won it, and I'm not saying they're easy to win. But like, if you're going to be putting him in the bracket of Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus and these fellas, is it not delivering consistency? Delivering consistently for all of that time, like that counts majors. for a huge amount as well. DP events. Who's going to remember he won in Dubai in 2023? But they might remember he won in Augusta in 2023. He won 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 1.4 million as well, though. And he won the FedEx Cup last year as well. Like, he is an incredible golfer. I just think for the talent the man has, if he played like that, just attacked all day, every day, God knows what he'd win. No, we all know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if he's so good, and, and he is so good, four majors Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, all them boys, 20s when it comes to the tennis that's why they're all in that elite bracket but it and seems I'm, I'm, like the golf is way more competitive though god there's well, like a lot win, more they don't win as much either now. Yeah. To, to win two or three times in a year is fair going for a golfer like even Tiger and his pump would he have won five six times in a year max seven but ten whoever years takes, since the last Texas major, in about Tiger there Texas in again <laughs> ten years honestly ten putting years putting our listeners to work now we're asking time. the questions we're keeping them interested we're getting <laughs> yeah. them interactive with the show ten years is a long time and it's about maybe like if he is on that level and he is kind of in that bracket we should be allowed to say ten years is too long that he hasn't won a major well it is for the talent but you That's know careers ebb and, ebb and flow no like, I'm, not, I'm not having it no bit of a great year it's this too year. long right okay no, well. what about the hockey the men are true and the women are out. I felt sorry for them. For the women? Yeah. Yeah. So close. Yeah. I felt sorry for them. The men, yesterday I watched it and as drama went now, it was... I didn't see the hockey. It no. was really good. So I didn't watch it. Yeah, everything. it was on the RT News Now channel. More lies from Alan Cody. sat down and told us he watched all the sport this weekend. Well, you do think if you just play it back the show there to the opening line... <laughs> I yeah. am fully on the hockey, the men's hockey bandwagon now because I watched one whole game and I feel like I know a huge amount about it. So they won 4-3 against Korea and they found it hard, but a few penalty corners. They were very good. Explain a penalty Olympic, corner. They, they have an Olympic ticket. That's all that counts. Yeah, well, I can, I can try that. I watched a few cor- of them. Yes, yeah, so on, it's on, like taking a corner yeah. like in football. Yeah. 
and cut it back to the penalty spot and then Bang. they try and score yeah, yeah but there's so about, they, they there's about in front of you they, they vary the routine a little bit now but um, that's about all I know yeah it looks a hard game I find it very strange that they don't wear helmets the goalie obviously is completely covered up but when you look at because I was the, watching the hurling at the same time but and I could see them with the helmets on and then like that hockey ball is yeah. really hard yeah, but there's no one going to take the head off with a hockey stick. It's a fair chance some fella coming along behind you is going to yes, take the head off. Plus, you, off have to keep, you have to keep the stick on the ground, don't you? Yeah, but the ball yeah. flies up sometimes. Yeah, so it could take a deflection. Yeah. Yeah. So, do they have a chance in the Olympics? Well, I was no. checking the world rankings yesterday, and I think they were around 12th, and Korea were 10th. So. That's they might a good move win. up now a bit, yeah. I don't know. Like, what, what? I mean, are they going to win a medal at the Olympics? Highly unlikely, but but they're there. Some, someone that could, Radisha Adelecki. She started her season with a bang, didn't she? Yeah, she broke two records. Yeah, the amount of brilliant sport over the weekend. When you think I'd about, actually it. forgotten about that. Because you was... missed Alan. <laughs> no, yeah. I saw that. I saw you her. You saw that, did you? I oh, saw her. Yeah. So quick, like it's highlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a flyer. <laughs> 60, Sixty meter indoor record and her two hundred meter indoor record. She was second in that race, but she started her season in incredible fashion. And Al, surely then you watch the tennis. This is quiz Alan Colley. Twenty minutes, is it? Yeah. Well, what about tennis then? What about it? Cam, Cam <laughs> Norrie. Poor Cam Norrie. I know. That was disappointing. But yeah. look, if you can't sleep tonight, you have Novak Djokovic versus Taylor Fritz at 3.30am. Yannick Sinner and Andrei Rublev there on tomorrow morning. You also have Coco Goff at 2am and Sabalenka plays at 8am if you're interested in the tennis. That's all on tomorrow. Quarterfinals. The best ever. I like it when they get to the quarterfinals. The best ever. Better than Federer. Better than think? Nadal. Yeah, he is. He's unbelievable. Look at what he's doing, his longevity. Still going, still winning everything. Federer had all the grace, all the elegance, all the shots. Beautiful to look at. Amazing player. And that bracket, I said this... seems sound as well. I actually said, back when... And this is what people forget this as well, I think, about... When you think of those three, Mm -hmm. those three in their pomp competing against each other, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, was the greatest level of sport in any sport across the board when those three were in their pomp and they had Andy Murray in the mix as well that's as good as sport gets with those Do you think Federer was first did he raise the bar that those lads had to get to yeah and they that's were chasing him down Ruby first Nadal then Djokovic comes on the scene and it was just fun. and Murray to be fair Murray should be given his dues he was in there winning majors and competing against them fellas and beating them and then Federer turned up in Wimbledon in that white blazer and it just all went downhill yeah, and, and don't get me Federer is absolutely incredible, but Djokovic, look what he's doing still. It's unbelievable. Isn't it a bit like uh, the racing with Ruby and Barry Garrity and Davy Russell and all them? You That's know, it, standard. It, yeah, like this, it's cyclical. Like these big characters come yeah. and capture people's interest. Yeah, because Ruby probably can't say this now, but I'll say it for him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to go for a break. <laughs> We're doing this now. Yeah, well, those three, Ruby, yeah. Barry and Davy Russell and that standard, I don't think that's around now. And may, maybe the standard might be, but I don't think the characters that they were mm. is around now. Ah, probably different era, but standard. Same for the tennis. Though. Paul like Carberry in that mix as well. That bring people in. It is. Yeah, you need character sport, does. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about as well. And you need villains. Djokovic. Uh, look at Ronnie, 48, still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, did you watch him last night? Sure yeah. You watched him. <laughs> yeah. He loves Ronnie. Yeah, well, Snooker's the first love. But it, it's amazing, Ruby. Imagine he's never won Sports Personality of the Year in England. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. And then you had Luke Littler, 16, winning in Bahrain. Yeah, unbelievable as well. 
Are you sure you watched that as well? I think well, he's 17 now. Was his 17, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ronnie is absolutely... This time next year, he'd be able to buy a drink for him or something. Spend all his money. Um, I think that was everything, really, bar the, the big ones, which we're going to get into the football and soccer in um, a little while. But We brought the experts in for those. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. As for everything else that happened, I think we've covered quite a lot. Considering it was a storm and we thought everything was going to be cancelled, mm. a lot happened. It did. I was in Turles. It was miserable. We never Alaho talked won. about the race. Come on, high class hero. Long press. put himself back in the Gold Cup picture when he won at Lingfield yesterday. I watched. See it. one today. See that today, Al. Uh, give me five. Win at Warwick. I saw that. Brooks, yeah, Brooks yeah. Brooks and Graham McDowell. And didn't they buy the horse from Johnny Murphy? Sorry, go back there. Say that again. Brooks Kepka and Graham McDowell had a winner in Warwick this afternoon trained by Harry Durham who is Paul Nichols' nephew a horse called Gimme 5 won at Warwick so he oh. could be Cheltenham bound for the Triumph Hurdle He won at a canter as well Ruby didn't he he's very he impressive I think Brooks Kepka has tweed for Cheltenham Right I doubt it Brooks Kepka here's one for you now about Brooks Kepka now that you bring it up that little series they did on the kind of behind the scenes yeah. thing on the golf did you ever see the episode with him? Yeah yes. Unbelievable because you, everybody sees him as this kind of maybe and maybe people we all make pre-judgments and then you see them behind the scenes or whatever but this kind of swashbuckling arrogant kind of so and so mm. but then he was winning all the majors he was on that run with the momentum <laughs> throw it in but did you see the moment in that show when then he was on the losing streak and, and he was sitting at the kitchen table with his wife and mm. I think his couple of his the members of the backroom team or whatever, and basically admitting I can't compete with these anymore like these are too good I can't do it Struggling. Unbelievable. The access. It's the same club. It's the same ball. Just get out there and hit it, Brooks. It's <laughs> You're the same wasted thing. on the radio, Ruby. You should be you should be a you consultant. You should be mentoring these five yeah, women. Exactly, yeah. uh, I, I, I wouldn't. See, the thing is, I wouldn't be able to listen to them for long enough. Yeah, and they'd be having a wine. I'd be saying, like, shut up. Yeah, God, get on with this. Ball. Yeah, get out there. Can't I, hack couldn't, it. I couldn't be listening to you. Go on. Right, get yourself some momentum. Uh, um, the kids. Get out there and get some fresh air. <laughs> Okay, we've, uh, we have waxed lyrical for long enough. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be looking back at all of the weekend's rugby and we'll also be hearing from Peter O'Mahony and we will be talking all the Premier League as well. So do stay with us. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are turning our attention to rugby. We'll be hearing from Peter O'Mahony speaking to Damien O'Mara in just a few minutes. But we're going to check in with our guest, Stephen Ferris and Keen Tracy. First, Keen, I'm going to go to you because you've had a bit of an ordeal trying to get home from the Leinster game yesterday. So that was, or Saturday, so that was two days ago. Where are you now? <laughs> Yeah, Marie, it's been a uh, bit of a bit, bit, bit of a saga to say the least. I'm glad you reminded me what day it is. It's hard to, to keep up. I won't bore you with the with the details, but um, yeah, I've had to make a quick dash to London uh, from Birmingham. There's just no way of getting out of Birmingham until Wednesday at the earliest. So I'm hoping um, to get out of here tomorrow. All going well. So it's usually at the Six Nations launch in Dublin today. Obviously, it didn't happen. But then when I saw the French couldn't get there and the English captain Jamie George, I knew he was in good company. Oh wow! So there's a lot. I never actually thought of all the people, the 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 other important people that uh, would be discommoded <laughs> because of this storm. But there's a few of them. Uh, Stephen Ferris, are you safe and well somewhere? I'm safe and well. I'm just sitting in the office here, uh, feeling very sorry. Um, <laughs> licking your wounds. Yeah, but uh, yeah, licking my wounds absolutely, Marie. What, what a, a weekend full of drama, um, full of talking points. I'm sure we'll we'll get stuck into them, but yeah, uh, another really disappointing 
afternoon in West London when, when Ulster went to, to Harlequins with, with something to play for and obviously came out of the game with, with absolutely nothing and now find themselves in the Challenge Cup but yeah hugely disappointing weekend for Ulster and, and for Munster as well and um, obviously uh, Connaught and Leinster restored a little bit of pride for the lads mm. Okay, look, we're going to get to all of that um, in just a minute, but we're going to hear from Peter O'Mahony and after that we can dissect uh, what happened in those um, Champions Cup games. Peter O'Mahony is, of course, the captain of Ireland now for the upcoming Six Nations. I'm pretty sure, Stephen Ferris, that you didn't predict that. I didn't. Absolutely <laughs> didn't. No. Neither did Ruby. <laughs> Don't think no, anybody... and I'm still trying to figure out how and why. <laughs> Ruby didn't even predict a captain been named. But anyway, uh, we got there. <laughs> right, look, let's hear from Peter and then we'll go through all of that. Game on. Rugby. Um, congratulations, firstly, on the, the new appointment. Um, are, you must, are you surprised at the warmth? And the, it's like it's universally been brilliantly received. So many people are happy to see you take on this role. Yeah, it's... it's um... It's been uh, it's been lovely to be honest. Um, you know, got some some very nice texts from uh, you know you know people. Most importantly, uh, that I have a lot of respect for and, and uh, who've looked after me for a long time. And um, you know, family obviously hugely proud. Um, you know, the biggest honour of my career would overshadow the doubt. So um, yes, look, it's been a great few weeks, and I've been very appreciative of as you said the positivity that I have got. You know. When did the call come from Andy? How long have you had to keep it secret for? Um, it was quite recent, to be fair to him. He had to, he had to see whether I was fit or whether I was going to play a game. Um, so it was after the Toulon game, he gave me a call. And, um, you know, a bit of a pause on the phone. I kind of wasn't expecting it, really. Um, but I was, you know, as I said, he was honoured and, you know, what a phone call to get. So the Munster captaincy decision not linked to the Ireland decision? No, no, that was a long, long time, uh, obviously, ago now. Um, look, I, I've hit that already. It's, it was very much something that um, I, I had on my mind for a while, and um, you know, I, I said some of the reasons. You know, it was, you know, the way Paul looked after me when, when he was very much still, uh, still around to, to guide me as, as a young captain. Uh, you know, I'd like to be able to, um, to help. Um, you know, around the place while while stepping back a little bit myself. A lot of people read a lot into your interview after the New Zealand game as to whether or not we would see you in a green jersey again. Was that something that you gave serious thought to? Yeah, it was. Um, certainly was. It was. It was. It was tough few weeks after that. Um, but it, it wasn't the right time to make any calls. Uh, you know, given the circumstances, and um, you know. You know, I haven't I haven't thought about it. Um, you know, uh, it came around then that I was getting back into into monster stuff and you know back to kind of normality after the whole thing and um, you know back enjoying it and obviously you know a phone call uh, like the one I got last week you know um, very special one and you know glad that uh, glad that uh, you know I get the opportunity to uh, you know to represent my country again. It would have been. Um, you know, in hindsight, it would have been, you know, not the most pleasant way to, to leave the jersey where where, where where we did finish up. So, um, and here we are. When you look around that squad and that team room, though, you must still see so much potential, not just for this Six Nations, but for what's to come for Irish rugby in the next couple of years. Absolutely. It's 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 a squad, um, you know, it's, it's bursting with big personalities and, and quality rugby players. But, you know, the main reason 
going back to your last question, that, uh, that you know, one of the main factors is it's a group of people who, who are good people and, and who I absolutely love spending time with and uh, training with and, 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 and competing at the highest level with. And, um, you know, I'm delighted to be named in the squad of that. Do you expect to be fit to go for France? Obviously, some concerns after the, the Munster game over the weekend. Yeah, look, I, I'm kind of... I haven't had a huge amount of rugby under my belt now um, over the past, obviously, since since the World Cup, really. I haven't played a huge amount, but, um, you know, the last two weeks will stand to me and, and um, certainly plan on the fit. Listen, it goes without saying, it's a championship that you will go into with great ambitions of defending that title hard fought for last year. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's the only reason that we... Uh, that we compete and we sit down together is, is to win and, and um, you know I'd be lying if I was sitting here saying that we, we don't want to defend our championship Is there a benefit at all that it's not the start of France that France are moving those games around that the sense of familiarity that they have will be gone? I, I, I don't think so it's uh, it's very much a case of you know we're playing a, we'll be playing a quality French team as always they're still at home um, you know what a stadium to, to be playing in it. I think we played the first one there years ago against Toulon when it was half open. You know, what a place to play rugby and I'm sure the atmosphere will be second to none. Just to finish, I know your focus is the Six Nations. Um, there's a lot of focus on your contract and the fact that the Ireland captain's now not centrally contracted. And is it your intention to still be with Munster beyond this year or where are you at contractually? Look, Obviously, you know, these these questions are going to come. It's it's very much for me. It's 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 Six Nations talk at the moment. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot said and enough said, I think, uh, over the past few weeks. And I'm not, I'm not I'm not really I don't really want to take away from from the occasion today and and um, you know the squad that's been named and, and you know, going forward over the next two weeks is is, is my focus. Peter Manny speaking there about. Quite a lot, but I think there's the things that are unsaid or, or what's capturing the most attention. Um, Keen Tracy and Stephen Ferris are with us. Keen, we may as well address um, the contract situation because it is what a lot of people are talking about. Um, some high-profile pundits wrote about it over the weekend, including Bernard Jackman and Donal Lenehan. His Peter Manny's contract, his future at Munster seems to be quite clouded as somebody who usually has the inside line in what's happening in Munster. Do you have any insight on Peter Manny's contract situation, Keen? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, Marie. <laughs> um, I think like I think Peter probably, you know, even though he didn't say a whole lot there, um, you can probably tell the negotiations are still ongoing in the background. Now, I'd say the events of the last week have certainly accelerated the, those talks in terms of the fact that Peter O'Mahony's value to, to Ireland and Munster, I would say, even in terms of what we saw for, at Toma Park last weekend, has been underlined even more so. I suppose the, the crux of the issue, um, per se, is that there is an expectation that Peter O'Mahony is going to come off an IRFU central contract at the end of the season. So if we take it that those those central contracts are you know the, the golden ticket really in terms of professional rugby in Ireland so that means that Munster are going to have to pay Peter O'Mahony's salary next season which um, from a Munster being counter point of view is obviously not ideal and now when you have a guy who fair enough he's 34 but he's now been named Ireland captain so I think he's in a very strong position when he goes back to negotiating table whether that's with the IRFU now, perhaps that they'll have to revise their situation and maybe look to extend his central contract beyond the end of the season because it's a bizarre situation that you had the Ireland captain today at his first kind of press engagement. And to be fair, I think from talking to colleagues, you know, they were asking him the 
the same question as well and I think it's probably to be respected that he doesn't want to talk about it um, in public because nothing has been decided yet so he doesn't want to see one to like air any dirty laundry um, in public or anything like that but my sense would be that it will get sorted um, particularly after being named captain it's just about getting the right people into the room and basically paying him what he's worth really um, as I said you know he's going to come off that central contract you imagine it would be a hit to the salary but the Ireland rugby captain, you know, is clearly one of the most important players in the country and he should his salary should reflect that, I would say. Stephen, even the contract side of it over there, because we've no say on that and whatever's going to happen there, I imagine you think the same a little bit as me. There's no doubt that Peter Romani is or would or at some point lead Ireland. He leads by example. He's a great player on the pitch. He's It's a huge honour for him and by all accounts, he's a great man in training. But I would have assumed that your captain would be a guaranteed starter. When you look at the Irish squad, is Peter Romani a guaranteed starter? Um, I think he is now, after being named the Ireland captain. Um, uh, I think some of the other back rows would have been gladly, uh, I would have been happy enough if somebody else had been named captain, just because it might have given them a bit more of an opportunity. But in saying that, I, I, get, I get that, you know the contract situation is a huge talking point, but he's he's on an Irish contract. So like, why is everybody sort of saying, "Oh, this is you know this is unacceptable that you know Peter Matney's the captain of Ireland and he's you know he's not uh, he's not been given another contract. He is on an Irish contract. He is being paid by the RFU and he is the captain of Ireland. So is he going to captain Ireland past the summer tour? Uh, has there been a conversation with? Andy to say that you know this is a long term thing or this is a you know something for the next season we're, we're all very unsure. The other thing with Pete and he referenced it there in his interview, he's played you know very little rugby since the Rugby World Cup and and that sort of goes against you when you're getting into contact contract negotiations of you know how durable you are, especially when you're coming towards the latter stages of your career. So I definitely think it will all get sorted out. Um, he's on a very healthy salary at the minute, I'm sure. Um, will that be extended next season? Um, I hope it. To be honest, I hope it is. And I think he probably deserves it, what he's given to Irish rugby over the last number of seasons. But it goes back to the question that you sort of asked me there, Ruby. Are there other guys that are playing better rugby than him at the minute? Um, and the answer is probably yes. But are there other guys in his position that have been to World Cups and Captain Lions teams and have all that experience and the respect and um, you know be able to get the best out of individuals not just by his actions on the pitch but by also rallying the troops and giving words of inspiration and wisdom and um, along the way then no so I, I think in the short term it's absolutely you know thinking about it the, the right decision to make Peter O'Mahony captain and no, I think his body will probably be the thing that 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 might become a bit of a a road, uh, a bump in the road uh, along the way. Um, if you know he starts to pick up an extra few knocks, and you know is unable to, to to get in the Ireland team week in and week out, but we'll see how that goes. We know how much of a warrior he is, and I think the whole country are, are now behind him since he's been named captain. Yeah, I think once he was named, then people just accepted it and understood the merits of it. Um, Keen, just on Munster then this weekend, though, Graeme Rowntree has backed them to turn their form around, which seems crazy that they are in the situation where they're in a round of 16 and need to turn 
their form around. Do you think that they're going to be able to find that consistency? Well, if you look at what they did, particularly at the tail end of last season, then there's no reason why why they can't. I think you can see they're still in a bit of transition, I would say, with the new coaching staff. And I've spoken to you guys about this a couple of times in that, you know, by, by Munster winning the URC title, last season probably became probably came a little bit ahead of time I think even the most staunch Munster supporter would say that so I suppose the goalpost has shifted in terms of the standards that we now expect from Munster but to me when I watched him I think you know we've just spoken about Peter O'Mahony there he saw the value that he gave when he came back um, in Toulon last weekend for that huge win or the weekend before last weekend and I thought he was good again at the weekend and when he goes off Munster are 23-16 Ahead, and they somehow end up losing the game against 14 men. Northampton played the second half, obviously, with a man sent off. So um, I think others need to step up and kind of share that leadership voice because, as Stephen said there, you know, Peter O'Mahony is 34 now. He's not going to be around, not going to be around forever. So, like, once they've just developed this habit, Marie, of coughing up leads, like they've done it all season, and it must be so frustrating from Graham Rountree and the coach's point of view. But to me, when I watch them, I think they're kind of caught between two stools a little bit I mean we've all praised um, how well they've kind of transformed their game plan under Mike Prendergast in terms of the attack but there are times when you have to play a little bit more pragmatically particularly when you know you have a man advantage you don't need to have to run everything from deep you can, you can play the corners and you look at the way Finn Smith the 21 year old Northampton out half did it at the weekend Northampton pretty much munstered Munster so um, that's I think what would be the most frustrating uh, thing from their point of view but if you look at their campaign as a whole apart from that big win that they had in Toulon they've been pretty inconsistent as you said Marie I mean drawn at home to a second string Bayon team collapsing in Exeter before Christmas and now pretty much collapsing again at home to Northampton. It doesn't bode well, but I still feel like that, you know, there's quality players um in there. I just feel like they need a better balance between um between the game plan. Well we're on the bad, we'll stick with it. If Northampton monstered Munster, what exactly did Harlequins do to Ulster, Stephen? <laughs> oh Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Um So the two wingers are having a bit of a chat with themselves this morning, are they? Yeah, yeah. I could, you know, it, it was um, a first half that I'm sure we'll not see the likes of it uh, again in the Champions Cup. Uh, the bounce of the ball can be cruel at times, but, you know, obviously Balakoon went to go down on one, pops up, uh, Harlequin's score, uh, Stockdale just about to gather it. The next thing the ball goes the other way, Lewis Lina, who was exceptional when he wasn't even supposed to be in the 23, and he, he came in last minute and then ended up playing the majority of the game. Uh, man of the match as well I think uh, and he gobbled that one up and away he went and I think what sort of summed it up for Ulster like the try that Ulster got in the first um, half was scored by Dave McCann and it was a brilliant line by Balakun that got to the edge and there was like five Ulster players and one Harlequins player and they nearly butchered it they nearly butchered it like they, it should have been um, it should, I think it was Mikey Larry should have been stopped and you know that just felt like that was Ulster right there. You know, they, they do some really good things in games and then just the basics completely let them down. They passed the ball over 200 times compared to Harlequin's 80. Um, you know, Harlequin's only had like uh, a third of the game line carries that Ulster had. If you look at all the stats, you would say, geez, Ulster must have won that game by 20 or 30 points. But the point I'm making is here that Ulster are too easy to play against. 
They're just holes all over the pitch. There's no desperation in defence. They don't make teams work hard for their scores, especially over the last couple of weeks. 48 shipped uh, against uh, Toulouse at home, 47 shipped against Quinns away. Uh, a couple other higher scores during the season as well. Uh, getting beaten at home by... Um, by Edinburgh which hasn't happened since 2017-2018 I think they're, they're just a team that are unravelling at the minute they they really are and people are asking me even on the way home on the flight you know how do you fix this Davey and I don't have a clue I honestly don't because there's a lot of these players that have shown over the last couple of seasons that they are good enough that they are good enough and that they can play at an inter when they put on an Irish jersey that they get even better but just something isn't right. And even, you know, the signing of Stephen Kitzkoff, you know, the scrum's gone backwards, their mall's gone backwards, these new plays that they come up with off top penalties against Racing 92. They've tried them in the last couple of games and they've been snuffed out. And, you know, when they couldn't get their mall going against Harlequins, um, they they just didn't have anything else. Their attack is so poor. It's so, so poor. And the only time that they score tries is when, they actually just go, well, do you know what? Let's just go for it and throw it around all over the place and, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and, and then they get over for a try or two towards the end. But, yeah, it's really, really disheartening And uh, as an Ulster fan and as a former player watching a team that, you know, has a lot of quality in it, but but just for some reason or another just, just aren't performing. And it's certainly worrying times. Stephen, you've said now on numerous occasions that something isn't right, but you haven't really been able to explain what that is. You must have a theory on what isn't right, though. Um, yeah, like, you know, I think Ulster over the last couple of seasons, there's just, there's nobody, there's no nastiness in the team. Like, you watch them, they're, they're just a nice team to play against. You know, there's no Justin Harrisons, there's no... Uh, Johan Muller's in there. No, like Leinster with Brad Thorne and Leo Collins and Paul O'Connell's from Munster and Donico Callahan, who was an absolute nightmare to play against. It, they're just an easy team to play against. You know, there's no, you know, mongrel in them like that where they go out and, um, you know, get tore into the opposition. Um, even at the weekend, there's a, a guy who was playing number six. Uh, Chandler Cunningham South uh, he's just been brought into the England squad for, for Harlequins and he didn't play like brilliantly but anytime he got the ball he got the crowd up he steamrolled over a couple of people he put in a couple of really big hits and Ulster just don't have that you know and Stephen Kitzkoff is obviously a, a brilliant loose head prop and when he has Mbanambi and Malherba and uh, you know the bomb squad in behind him there's you know he's certainly a, a top quality a player but He's just, you know, he's he's just going. Feels like he's gone through the motions a little bit, and obviously they're on the back foot. And Handy, Biggie, and Henderson's trying his best, but it's just, it just feels like, yeah, they, they just don't have the physicality and the power to, to cope with some of the teams. And as a reference, there they don't have a couple of guys who you know take the games by the scruff of the neck. And I don't mean just in the opposition. I mean about calling out your own teammates, you know, for making mistakes, making lads accountable. And that's something I was chatting with Tommy Bow at the weekend at the side of the pitch. And you know, there were, usually you could you could hear the wingers shouting and screaming for people to get round the corner and you know if um you know, the quick throw in that was uh happened for, for Harlequin's first try. You know, if if Tommy or myself were underneath the sticks or Rory Best, you'd be you know, that is just is not good enough. But it, again it just feels like okay, you know, We'll just get the ball, go down, kick a ball off again, and and you know hopefully it'll not happen again. And I know all these things are easily said 
during the week in a match week, that's fair enough, but you've got to change it on the pitch. You know, it has to happen on the pitch. And what does that boil down to, Marie? I think it comes down to leadership and a lack of it. They looked like a bunch of individuals to me, Stephen Ferris. Connacht played as a team. They were brilliant against the Connacht Bears. And, of course, Leinster did well. Away to Leicester to win 27-10. We run out of time for rugby this evening. Thanks to Stephen Ferris and to Keane Tracy. We'll be back with soccer after this break. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are turning our attention to football. Stephen Kelly is on the line. Alan Cawley is still with us in studio. Alan, there is some breaking Mo Salah news. Yeah, just released a statement. Uh, his agent actually just released a statement, Marie, because everybody had predicted that he was going to be out for two games and there was the potential that if Egypt went through the group that he may be back for the knockout games. But his agent, and there's a good quiz question, quiz question name Mohamed Salah's agent, Rami Abbas Issa. Right. He's just Rich released. Man, I'd say. He's just released a statement, and it looks like uh, it's not great news for Liverpool. He's going to be out for between twenty-one to twenty-eight days, uh, so the potential there to be missing for three or four weeks, Marie. And yeah, it's not good news for Liverpool. I know they got the victory yesterday, and they played really well in the second half, but they can't go three, four weeks without him really uh, so that is a major blow for them he's coming back to Liverpool as well for treatment mm. so I don't think you'll see him in the AFCON again because they're because I think they're going to get knocked out get knocked, well <laughs> yeah. for two reasons yeah. one because of the injury and also because there's a good chance they'll be knocked out by Shamrock Rovers Pico <laughs> Lopez tonight well, look, if someone's released a statement it's saying three to four weeks I'd be saying four hopefully not five Alan well, I'm only reading what Rami Abbas Issa has put down on paper here, Ruby. Ruby's the injury expert. 21 to 28 days, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Hamstrings. I never pulled a hamstring. It was breaks. The only thing you Although, did. interestingly Bre- enough, we breaking spoke... Breaking wasn't an injury to me. We spoke here about two or three weeks ago, and I remember reading out a stat of just how durable he is mm. and the length of time that he hasn't been injured. So I think he recovers quite quickly. You might see him back a bit quicker than that. Stephen Kelly is with us on the line. Stephen, when you go away to international duty after being in a club environment, can things like that different environment be the cause of injuries? Mm. Yeah, it can be. It depends. Obviously, this is a tournament and it's not at the home. So if he's going off to play for Egypt and they've got their own facilities, their own doctors, everything set up, um, you know, if this is a tournament basis, so you don't know what the facility is like, what the training ground they have, all that comes into factor. And then the traveling that's involved as well. But listen, it's that stage of season and Mo's not getting any younger. So it's one of those things that can just happen. Um, Liverpool are probably like, well, thankfully it's nothing too long. If he was going to be in African nations for the whole duration and we get to the final, he probably missed this amount of time. And anyway, so at least they're getting him back. They can get an eye on him. They can kind of, first, um, you know, take care of the, the treatments and make sure that when he comes back he's, he's fully fit and at end I would be edging towards those 21 days I think rather than the 28 with Masala with a bit of luck for Liverpool fans last night Alan yeah. they ground out the first half against Bournemouth but they didn't have to come alive in the second half yeah they were very good in the second half Ruby um, and I suppose when there is players as good as Mo Salah missing and every team is going to miss someone as good as him but it's about others standing up and to be fair to Nunes, Jota and Jota's been a great sign and since he's come in like he's been absolutely terrific um, and he obviously played really really well in that second half Nunes is very much hit and miss but he's a bit of a fan's favourite because even if he's not scoring he's causing chaos and just throwing himself about and they do like him to be fair and that'll do his confidence the world of good getting a couple of goals as well but I think Jota is the main man and that's why I give Liverpool a chance Ruby is because the options to have up front of Obviously, Salah's missing, um, but they still have options. They brought Gakbo on. He played really well. They have Luis Diaz, Nunes and Jota. That's as good as he'll get around, to be fair, in that forward area. So that's why I give them a great chance still with the league. 
Stephen, before we move on to Arsenal and how happy you must be with their five goals against Crystal Palace, <laughs> what about Conor Bradley? I think just to give him a word, a young lad mm. from Ireland <clears throat> flying the flag in Liverpool. Yeah, um, I was there when he made his debut. Well, it was his debut, but it was, he came on in the cup against Arsenal and uh, Klopp brought him on and took Trent and put Trent in the middle of the park and put him right back into Martinelli and thought, wow, this is, this is going to be a test. One, arguably one of the best wingers to try and get at you. And he came on and I was so impressed. He had 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and he completely nullified Martinelli. I thought, God, this, this lad is a great defender. Um, and then he makes his debut and does really well and gets an assist. So, yeah, he's definitely one for the future. Um, he just seemed, he's, he did great on loan last year, both in like player of the year, players player of the year, young player of the year. Um, so he's definitely something. And obviously the only thing that's in his way is Trent, which is a problem. Because <laughs> good Trent is. But if Trent goes into that midfield berth, then, you know, I think he's got a chance um, and looks like Klopp trusts him and likes him which is important mm-hmm. Alan Arsenal had to win by more than four to go back into third place yesterday or the day before against Crystal Palace and they did that win in 5-0 yeah, they were very good. Um, I mentioned Friday, Ruby, that obviously there's been this little kind of midwinter break and it came at the best possible time really for Arsenal because they just they were on such a bad run. They'd only picked up four points from 15 the previous five matches. So this came at a great time for them really just to go away, a bit of warm weather training um, and just reset. And Arteta spoke about that before the match as well, just in terms of the fact that they can go and attack the second half of the season now and they got off to the best possible start. Crystal Palace are pretty poor and no Alisi either. I think Roy Hodgson's days could be numbered there. Um, but still, it was a really good victory for Arsenal uh, and gets them back on track. OK, Al, that is all we have time for. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on Brighton Plain Wolves this evening at quarter eight. Evan Ferguson is on the bench. Myself and Ruby will be back tomorrow. Plenty to go through. Better to serve us up next. RTE 2FM Game on on 2FM Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash Let the confidence last